Welcome to the Taking the Lead podcast, where we empower people to be unstoppable. I'm Christina Hepner with my co-hosts, Leslie Hoskins and Timothy Cuneo. Hey guys, how is it going today? Good, good. It's a little cold in the South. No. Oh, cold in the South. Timothy, come on. It's 41. I'm freezing. Oh, oh I wish it was in the 40s. So I have to tell you guys, I was at Costco on a busy Saturday morning this weekend, and I saw one of our puppy raisers with a future leader dog. And it was so cool to see because it... cool. Yeah, it was such a crazy, busy Saturday morning. I mean, if you can imagine how crazy Costco is on a Saturday, Mm -hmm. why I chose to go, I don't know. (laughs) But it made me smile because the dog was doing so well, and I did not want to interrupt their training, so I didn't say anything, but it was cool to actually see that happening, um, especially in the busy Costco that's down the street from my house. That is really fun to always see it out in the world. That's fun. Yes, I, uh, this weekend recently went and spent some time with some family that we haven't seen in forever. Um, We were kind of celebrating because we didn't get together last year, so it was really nice to see some extended family. And my kids, who are younger, got to see their cousins, so they were running around like crazy, and just it was so loud, and it was was super fun to kind of get that family feeling back together. That was so exciting. It was really nice, but I was giving... um, my husband's uncle, I was giving him a hard time. He actually tore his retina and then waited about oh. 10 days. Yes, listen to me. He waited 10 days or 12. I can't even remember. Long enough to seek medical attention. And I was furious with him. He's very lucky. They were able to fix it and he can still see. But goodness, I mean, so many of our clients that happens to, and it happens so quickly and you have to seek medical attention. So um, Uncle Bob, if and when you listen to this, this is to you. <laughs> Next time you go seek medical attention. <laughs> yeah, and anybody else that's listening, if this happens too. Oh, my goodness. What about you, Timothy? What's uh, new with you? Well, this weekend we went, I uh, I went and saw my father. But uh, we left Glacier at home for about uh, five or six hours, which was a big deal for me. But I uh, haven't seen him in quite a while, so I just... Uh, said I need to do it. So we went down and saw him. I got to see my grandkids, uh, my newborn baby grandkid. And, uh, it, was, it was a good sense. That it was a good Sunday. And we had meals and all that good stuff. Uh, we had a good time. And uh, it was my weekend. That sounds well, like an amazing uh, weekend. But enjoy. Right? It was great. I, I, I get to see my newborn baby. She's probably about three or four months old now. Aww. And she looks just like me, the poor child. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> so it was it was great. It's nice to hold a newborn, actually. So yes. uh, I'm a little too old to do that myself, but it was great. To, <laughs> you know, you could live through that through your kids. Oh, that's wonderful. How many grandbabies do you have? Yeah, I've got let me count. I got to count my toes. One, two, three. Four. I got four now. So, oh, um, that's wonderful. It range from 10 to three months old. Oh, yeah. that's so exciting. All fun ages. That's busy. Busy, busy. Yeah. Found out my sister's pregnant too. So, uh, <gasps> That's exciting as well. Look at that. You're going to have yeah. to have all the experience holding the babies. Oh, just don't want to do the diaper thing. <laughs> That's part yeah. of it. It's a, it's a package deal. Well, if I can pick up dog poop, I can change diapers. So. There you, you know what? That's a that's, same smell. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's awesome. I'm so glad you had a good weekend and got yes. to see some family and catch up. It's been really nice this uh, this year to right to kind of get together a little bit and gather in small groups and uh, see all the people yeah. we haven't seen in so long. So yes. I'm so glad that happened. Yeah. Enjoyable weekend. Good. 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 Yes. Okay, everyone, we're going to dive right into this and get going. We are so excited to be here today and to be talking about the myths and misconceptions associated with blindness. We know there are so many different things out there that people think they know about being blind or blindness in low vision field in general. And here we are going to be cracking some of those myths. Is that what they say? What's the terminology? Busting those myths? Busting. Busting. Okay, well, we're doing all of it today. (laughs) We're going to get down to the facts and talk about blindness in general and the blindness in low vision field and people's experiences. We also want to touch a little bit on what can you do to be an ally? If you, you know, run into somebody who's blind or visually impaired or see somebody, how can you offer assistance and and be kind of that ally to this this world? So we're excited to get started. We're going to go ahead and we're going to dive right in. Yes. So I'm going to start, Leslie, I'm going to start with something I thought before I came to Leader Dog. And I always thought when you see someone with a white cane or guide dog who is blind, that they can't see anything at all. And I think a lot of people think that as well. And Timothy, that is not the case for you. Oh, no, it's not. Uh, Everybody's vision is different. And uh, for me, uh, I started off slowly declining. But I got like 3% of my vision in my right eye. And uh, so, yes, I can still see. Uh, I just can't see good. If I'm not looking straight at it, I can't see it. So I can't see anything at my feet to my right or to the left or anything. It's like looking down a a straw for those people who can see. And so so that central part, you can see what somewhat, and it's fuzzy, but uh, not everybody's totally blind. So uh, that is a mistake. Because I have a lot of people say, well, you're staring right at me, and I saw you look over there and looked at something. Well, I'm sorry. I'm legally blind, but I'm not totally blind. So there's different definitions of it. So not everybody is totally blind. Yeah, and that's so interesting to know, and especially for people who you know may see you at the store or whatnot, to not make that judgment call of, oh, well, he can see or he may be faking it. And Leslie, I mean, can you touch a little bit on what is legal blindness for people who don't know what it is? Yeah, you know, vision is so tricky and it's so different for each individual, but legal blindness in the U.S. is based on the central vision acuity. Um, So basically when you're looking straight ahead, that that visual field that in the middle there, um, a visual acuity of 20 over 200 or less um, and, and then also a field of vision. So like Timothy was just talking about kind of tunnel vision, looking through the straw. So a visual field of 20 degrees or less. So again, when we're talking about that visual acuity, it's the medical term for the sharpness of your eyesight. So there's lots of things that go into that. And when we're saying somebody is legally blind, um, what that means is that they have a 20 over 200 visual acuity. Um, so... 
just to kind of give you an idea, that means that somebody who is legally blind with 20 over 200 vision sees objects about one-tenth as sharp as somebody with 20-20 vision. Um, so one thing to note about that, too, is that a lot of times, you know, people are uh, diagnosed with legal blindness. They have 20 or 200 or worse. Uh, another thing to keep in mind is that's with their best correction. So that means even with glasses, with contact lenses, they still can't see any better than 20 over 200. Um, and that can be confusing a lot of times. Yes. And I, myself, I wear glasses and contacts, but, you know, I can't see when I don't have them on. And when I put them on, I can see perfectly fine. So it's important to note, too, that sometimes you do see people wearing glasses as well. And that's a good point, too. A lot of times, even if somebody can't see anything, they actually do have uh, total blindness, we still encourage wearing glasses or sunglasses because it's physically protecting their eyes. So when you think about out traveling, a lot of times there's low-hanging objects or tree branches, things like that. Actually wearing glasses, whether or not they're being used to help your acuity, they're still being helpful to protect your eyes um, because that is still a concern. But just to give you an idea here, about 80% of individuals who are blind have some sort of remaining vision, 80%. So that's quite a big group of the blindness and low vision field that still has some remaining vision. And with that too, uh, people see things differently. So two people may have the same diagnosis. They may have 20 over 200, but those two people may see completely different. Um, vision is very tricky. There's so many things that go into it and factors. Lighting makes a big difference. Um, if somebody's just having a good vision day or bad day, sometimes there's pockets of vision where people can see in different spaces. Um, so just know that Blindness is very unique. It affects people very differently. Um, and the, there's no one set answer. You know, what works for one person isn't necessarily going to work for another. That is so good to know for people who are out there. And, you know, another thing people think, too, is that if you're blind, you can't live alone because how could you not being able to see? So, I mean, Timothy, can we touch on that a little bit on your perspective with that? Yeah, you know, I have bad days. It's stressful to make my eyes worse. And uh, it's like sometimes when I go to my church on Sunday morning, uh, I'll be looking at the, my pastor and I have to put my glasses on because the glare of the lights and everything in the in the sanctuary is terrible. And some days I can do that and some days I don't. I, it just depends on how my day is going that day. And so uh, there's a lot of misconceptions out there. Uh, for one thing, uh, hey, you can't be blind. You don't have sunglasses on all the time. You know, <laughs> uh, I don't wear my sunglasses all the time. That's just a miss because we see stars like Stevie Wonder or Ray Charles. They always had sunglasses on. Not everybody's like that. So that's another misconception that, uh, you know, uh, people have in their minds. You can't be blind. You don't have sunglasses on. So or they walk up to you and they start hollering at you. Oh, you're blind, and then they raise their voice. I'm not deaf either. So, <laughs> I mean, that's happened to me before. That's a different disability. So, I mean, there's a lot of people out there. They don't. They they do mean well, but it's just not not what you see is the perception of what reality is. So, uh, they got to be a little educated, I guess. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, working in the field of blindness and low vision, I don't know how many times I've been asked if I know sign language, um, which I wish I did, <laughs> right? That'd be an incredible skill. I wish I knew sign language, but I do not because I work with people who cannot see. So many times uh, they can't see the sign language. However, with that being said, 
Um, there are a lot of times people who use tactile sign language, which I know is a whole other topic, but just on, while we're talking about sign language, um, people who are blind or visually impaired can use tactile sign language, and that's basically they kind of put their hands on top of the person who is signing. I mean, if you ever get an opportunity to observe any of that, it is crazy cool how people can still communicate um, just with their hands. It's it's amazing. So, yeah. You're right. Lots of myths, lots of misconceptions, sunglasses, right? I mean, of course, a lot of people do. And again, because of that protection, it causes or it gives that barrier uh, between objects or obstacles and things in your eyes. Um, but also too, you know, different tints of sunglasses. So a lot of times with our clients, because they do most times have some remaining vision, we'll do a tint evaluation. You know, one pair of sunglasses isn't going to be great for everybody. There's different colors you can use, different darkness and filters and things like that. So lots of different tools um, that are available to clients. You did that for me, Leslie, when I was there. I got two pairs of sunglasses. (laughs) Yeah, one for sunny days and one for rainy days. I've got uh, two different color sunglasses, and uh, it it makes a difference. So Mm -hmm. it just helps me relax a little bit. That's part of the thing. When When you struggle with what sight you got and you're not relaxed, that makes it worse. So if you got the proper sunglasses on, it relaxes you a little bit so you can focus a little bit more. So that was a good thing that you did for me. And I, I I got my two pair. I still got them. Oh, good. I'm glad. I'm glad. Awesome. Yeah. And, um, you know, there are some people, too, who think, yes, you can't live independently. But they also think, oh, since you're blind, you must be able to hear or feel things like 10 times more than other people. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I can't. I can. Where to my, start? My wife says I can't. My wife says I can't hear anything, but that's what you call selective hearing. Yeah, that's a different but, uh, disorder, yeah. Timothy. That's different. <laughs> yeah, I know. But uh, I, I will say I can hear a little bit better than some people can because I'm tuned in and I can smell anything. But that might because I have a giant nose. So, <laughs> yeah. I think you're right. So, you you uh, nailed it with the tuned in, right? Like when one sense is taken yeah. away, naturally you're going to rely on those other senses a bit more. You know what's amazing though is when and all, all the all the blind people and the legal blind people can relate when we're walking we can hear sounds bouncing off like when I'm walking with my feet I can tell I'm approaching something because I can hear my sound bouncing back and coming at me those senses are heightened and I can walk outside in the dark and I can tell when I'm getting close to something because of the sound difference and the the difference in the air and stuff it's amazing how stuff that that does come up and uh, with people who are blind. Yeah. So, I mean, cause you're probably paying a lot more attention to that stuff. Whereas me, you know, when I'm walking somewhere, someone could say my name and <laughs> walk right by him because I'm not paying attention. So it's just being more, paying more attention to what you're hearing and your surroundings as yeah. well. Yes. Yes, and that makes me so happy, Timothy, to hear that you're using all of those different sounds. I'm over here giddy. I'm like smiling listening to you talk about it because those are incredible skills too. They're not, they don't come easy and that comes with lots of years of practice and getting out there and traveling. And I've got lots of years of practice. (laughs) Yes, and you know, something too that, I mean, I've seen in some movies and that sort of stuff that people might think this as well, that if you're blind, you have to touch everybody's face to see them, to like, oh, I have to feel your features on your face. 
Is that something that happened? I will tell you, Christina, (laughs) that as somebody who's worked with many clients in the last almost decade that I've been doing this, I have never had somebody uh, ask to touch my face or touch my face (laughs) in any way, shape, or form. Uh, If people are interested, you know, in my experience, if people are interested in knowing what you look like, they'll just ask, you know. A lot of times they're already going to know your height based on, you know, standing next to them. Um, They're going to get to know your personality. I might talk about something like, oh, I got to put my hair up in a ponytail. And that might give them an idea that I've got long hair that needs to be in a ponytail. But I have had people ask like, oh, you know, what color is your hair? Or how tall are you? Or... You know, if somebody compliments me and is like, hey, Leslie, I love your shirt today, they might say, what, what's your shirt look like? I want to know, you yeah. know, things like that. But um, no, I've never had anybody. So nobody is walking around touching your face. No, <laughs> nor have I ever I seen think, that. What about you, Timothy? The only time I've seen that is in the movie. Yes. Yeah. I've seen at first sight. <laughs> at first sight, he touches her face. And I, I think it's just another thing that somebody's created out there that maybe this is how they do it. I think somebody's just guessing. And people see that on TV and they think that's reality. And no, it's not. It's not reality. Absolutely. Yes. Timothy, have you ever had someone like assume that you would touch their face or anything like that? Mm, no, 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 not yet. <laughs> well, I wouldn't good. do it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's good because I feel like it could get a little awkward if someone was like, oh, do you want to touch my face? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, something, too, I think we talked about this in another episode, is the technology with blindness. Some people think, Timothy, that maybe you can't use a phone because you're blind, so how can you use the technology? Um, can you talk a little bit about what technology does actually does for you? Well, uh, my technology, my phone is my technology. I don't own a computer anymore uh, because of uh, other health issues. I, I used to try to read through my, my glasses that I wore at the time, and I did some damage to my neck. So I got rid of my computer. So my computer is my iPhone. I can do uh, my billing on there. I pay my bills. I do everything on my iPhone. And there's a lot of uh, apps that you can download, like Be My Eyes or, or Seeing AI on your phone, mm-hmm. which is great. It'll read letters to you. It can tell you what color your clothes are. And if you need to like turn on a uh, oven, you can call Be My Eyes and they'll help you adjust your oven to what temperature you need it. It's an amazing app. So there's a lot of technology in just your iPhone. That is it's a great tool. And that's, I use it every day. I've got two of them because I'm wearing one of them out right now because I always, I'm always constantly on my phone doing stuff with Facebook and, and podcast and listening to my podcast and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> it's a great tool. You're absolutely right. Technology is so helpful and iPhone, whatever kind of smartphone people are using, it's accessible and it helps people stay connected to the world. Um, and get their questions answered. A lot of the apps Timothy just mentioned are amazing. And that kind of goes back to living independently, right? A lot of people who are blind or visually impaired live completely independently. Just like Timothy was talking about all those different resources, setting your oven. If you need to borrow somebody's eyes, there's apps for that, or there's different things to help people read their mail or prescription bottles or shampoo, you know, and there's different techniques. So for example, knowing the difference between your shampoo and conditioner, if they're the same size, shape, bottle, you know, you can put a rubber band around your shampoo and you know the difference. Or there's labeling tactics for matching socks and having outfits that go together. 
where there, you know, there's a way to do everything. It just might be slightly different than what the majority of us do. Um, but people who are blind or visually impaired completely live independently and use a lot of different assistive technology. Yeah. And, you know, talking about the technology, some people think, well, if you're blind, you have to know how to read Braille. Timothy, do you read Braille? <laughs> no, I'm illiterate with Braille. <laughs> I, the job I had, I, I really cut my fingers open too many times. Yeah. Because uh, I used to work with glasses. So I've made, gla- I mean, work with literally glass. So my tips on my fingers are kind of numb. So I can't feel, I can feel the Braille, but I can't get the details of it. So I will never be able to read Braille. I would say the majority of clients I work with don't read Braille. Um, And it really depends on when blindness happens, right? So a lot of times if you are born with blindness or it happens at a very early age, you are taught Braille, which is a really great resource. I would always encourage people to learn Braille, but it's not realistic for a lot of people kind of later on in life. Um, It's really hard to read those little dots with your fingertips if you haven't been doing it. And it's definitely one of those skills that if you're not using it, you can lose it type thing. Um, it's helpful to kind of have a general idea of how Braille works, especially for restrooms or public buildings and things like that, to know your numbers and at least the difference between a W and an M. But not all people who are blind or visually impaired use Braille. And that doesn't mean that they don't read. Um, a lot of times audiobooks and information via phones and technology and things like that are how our clients are reading. So people are also using large print um, and magnifiers and different tools like that, but not everyone reads Braille. Yeah, and that's such an interesting thing because, again, I'm going to go back to the movies. That's what you see in the movies. That's what you see in the TV shows. If someone's blind, they're reading Braille. And, you know, if you think about it, you go out into the world and there's not Braille everywhere. So it would be hard if someone strictly relied on that. And that's really, Christina, where technology comes into. If you think about it, little tasks, like going to a restaurant. You and I walk in. It's very easy, even like a coffee shop we're planning to go to later. Um, They're probably going to have a big sign up with the menu and their options or a paper menu that they'll hand to us, and we can just read and find our options. Somebody who's blind or visually impaired, even if they read Braille, the chances of a restaurant having a Braille menu are very, very, very slim. Um, And that's where technology can really come in. You know, clients can look up on their phone, the restaurant, and look up their menu and use voiceover on their phone to kind of get all of that information either prior to going to the restaurant or once they get there. Um, A lot of restaurants now even have QR codes, which is really cool. Yeah. And then, you know, have access on their phone. So while Braille is nice, you're right, it's not always available as an option. So clients are still relying on that other resource or technology of some kind or somebody else for that matter. Yeah, and I I want to talk a little bit about guide dogs as well Um, because, you know, Timothy, you have a glacier. When I came to Leader Dog, and people ask me this now all the time, and now that I know the truth, people think that these guide dogs know how to cross the street and read that cross light, which, or the stop light, um, or stop signs and signs. People think, oh, the dog can read the sign. The dog knows when the light changes. But I don't think that's true, right? <laughs> you know? No, no. No, she doesn't. She goes by my command. I'm the one that's got to know when to cross. And like, like I said, that's something I learned when I went for my own m training. And uh, it, it comes into working with the dog. You got to know where your blocker car is. You have to use your ears to know when to go. Uh, 
if you're lucky enough to have a city that uh, has the audible crosswalks, that's great. But I've got people who goes, how does she know where McDonald's is or anything? I go, no. I said, it's like you getting in your car. Your car is knows you, you're guiding the car to go to McDonald's. I do the same thing with my guide dog. I got to know where my surroundings are, where I am at, and I need to know where to get the point A to go to B. And uh, so you are you're you are in control of your guide dog. Your guide dog doesn't know where you're going. So that's another misconception. I mean, it's just. Uh, People, just, just education. These dogs are smart, but not that smart. Yeah. And I love that you related it to driving a car because, you know, I get in my car, my car, I wish my car would just drive me where to go. That would be nice, right? <laughs> but, on. you know, I have to put it in my GPS because most of the time I don't know where I'm going. And <laughs> then I drive my car. So it's just kind of that same thing as well. I love that you said that because I think that's really relatable for people to Timothy, have you ever had any, I guess, funny experiences where someone has asked one of these questions that, you know, you almost had to laugh at? Uh, I, I giggled at a guy two weeks ago. We were like, that's where I brought the McDonald's up. I mean, we, we were at the post office. He goes, I go, okay, Glacier, let's go to uh, McDonald's. And and the guy says, oh, that's cool. You just say where to go. I go, no, I'm just <laughs> communicating with my dog. I know when I go out this door, I got to hang a left and cross the street and go a left again. And down there's McDonald's. I'm just stating where we're going. But uh, no, she does not know how to get to point A to point B. I have to guide her and know what I'm doing. That's why it's important. I have my uh, vote. Vo- uh, Victor Reader track that I got from Leader Dogs, and it tells me every time when I'm approaching an intersection, and that way I can prepare myself uh, to cross the street and stuff, and so I know exactly where I'm at and how far I've got to go to get to McDonald's. Yeah, and for those of you listening, uh, Victor Reader Trek is a accessible GPS device uh, made by Humanwares, the company, and we do give those out to all of our guide dog clients. They're really, really nice. It's like having the GPS on your phone or a TomTom in your car. I don't know if TomToms are even still happening in people's cars, but the idea is that it's a GPS device, but it doesn't have a screen, so it's not showing you the route, you know, and whatnot. It's giving verbal instructions and directions, so it's telling Timothy, you know, he's at a four-way intersection. It's not telling him if it's light controlled or stop sign controlled, and it's not telling him when to cross the street, but it's telling him that he's at an intersection, and it's telling him whether he needs to turn or go straight and things like that. And then Timothy decides when to cross um, using his skills and things like that. So how ideal would it be if Glacier knew how to do all those things? Um, But you're right, completely still on the client. What I love much a lot about about Victor Reader Trek is uh, it gives me like a 15-feet alert before I get to the intersection. So uh, I know what the, because I'm going to feel where the tactiles are so I can stop Glacier or, you know, give her the command to find curb. You know, it gives me the alert and that may, I can prepare before I get there. And that is what is so great about that Victor Reader trick. It is an amazing piece of equipment. That's awesome. Yeah. And I think that's good for people to know too, is that you have to tell the dog when to stop or when to turn or any of that, because yeah. I think some people think, oh, the dog's going to just stop you from crossing the street or stop you from, you know, taking the wrong turn and going to a, the place you're not supposed to be going. Um, so I think that's important for people to know, too, because they'll see the dogs out there and they're like, oh, that's so cool. That dog, those dogs are so smart, but they think they're even smarter than they are. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
So, <laughs> Timothy, if you're standing at a corner, somebody sees you, maybe they're walking up, they have to cross the same street or they're going somewhere in the same direction. What can they do to help? If they wanted to offer assistance, what's the best thing they could do? Just grab your arm and, and cross with you? <laughs> we are trained not to cross the street until we're alerted to or we feel safe enough. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the best thing to do is not to do anything. Uh, I All the time when I cross, go to a crosswalk with Glacier, it might be I might get there before the light across the street turns us to stop. But it says walk, but I don't walk. And other people are still walking. I because the the audio tells me not to walk, so I don't walk. I stop until it tells me I can cross that street because it gives me the full time across that street. But uh, for somebody who's going to help somebody, uh, ask and just put your elbow out. That's how we do. Uh, I guess it's called the human guide. What's that term, Leslie? Human guide. Human guide. Yes. Yeah. Just grab their el- let them grab your elbow and then help them across the street. And uh, it's a, that's about the helpfulest thing you can do if they need the help. And now some of us do and some of us don't. But uh, for those people who do need help, be kind about it that somebody offered to help you. Yes, that's really important to know, too. And, you know, for someone like me who I'm learning as I go day in and day out in this job, Leslie went to school for it. And Timothy, you're living it day to day. So what can I do as someone who's learning and wanting to share more things? I guess, what can I do in my day-to-day life? Is there anything that you would, you wish people would do um, every day who didn't know about the blindness community or who's learning or who wants to help be an ally and support? Well, um, in some cases, they want to help too much. Uh, I want my little independence, which is great for me. And uh, to be patient with us and uh, do not be afraid of us. We're, we're not something to be afraid of because I, I have had many people be just scared to approach me when I, eat, when I be out and about. And uh, it's nothing to be afraid about. We're normal people. We just, we're just a little bit different than you are. We, we, don't, we can't see. That's the only difference. And uh, it's just uh, there's nothing to, to be scared about us. And um, that's about all I can tell, anything. Yeah, I agree, Timothy. I think, uh, you know, I hear from a lot of clients, and the biggest thing is just offer assistance. Ask if somebody needs your help. Never assume that somebody who is blind or visually impaired needs your assistance. Um, They have lots of techniques and different ways of doing things. But if you happen to walk up to somebody that's, you know, getting ready to cross the street, you can just say, hi, you know, I'm here would you like some help or is there anything I can do to assist you? They may or may not accept that assistance. Also, don't be offended if somebody doesn't accept your help. Um, a lot of times too, clients are out there traveling independently and maintaining those skills. They want to do it themselves. Um, so just offer if they want help by all means and then ask how they can be- how you can best help them because people are going to want assistance in different ways. I had a friend one time who was crossing the street and the person grabbed their cane and led them across the street with the cane. And it, 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 just be be thinking of what you're doing. To me, that's an insult when you do something like that. Yeah. If you're going to help somebody, make it make it kind, but don't make it an insult. Yeah. And that right there is a big no-no, touching somebody's cane. Yeah. I mean, that could be like touching somebody's steering wheel if we go back to the car thing. If someone's Absolutely. driving— and, you know, they're going to run into something. Them grabbing the steering wheel and turning them the other direction could actually cause more harm than good. 
Absolutely. Which that is such a good thing to notice. And also, too, Timothy, you know, you touched on your normal people just like everybody else. You guys, you know, do daily tasks just like everybody else. And I think sometimes um, people, you know, if they see someone walking with a cane or a guide dog, they think they need to jump out of the way, get out of the way, like avoid you. But that could be more isolating, at least I think, um, that if, you know, I were walking down the street and someone jumped out of the way, um, I guess, does that, has that ever happened to you, Timothy? And, you know, what should people do if you're walking down the street? And if it's a like small sidewalk, I guess. With Glacier, uh, people will move out of the way. And I'm thinking, why don't you just wait till she, like, they'll be 10, 15 feet away <laughs> and let her work, let her finish her task. She will work her way around you. She works off the left side. So like if we're walking down Walmart, she's working down the left side of that aisle. And she just, when we approach somebody, she just gets up you know, within the two feet of it and then just works right around them. They won't allow her to finish her task. And a lot of people apologize. There's nothing to apologize. My dog is working normally. It's just the way she was trained. And yes, people, you know, they jump out of the way and it makes me feel bad. Just don't worry about. It. Let us do what we need to do. You're not. We're not. We're not a terrible person. We. If we got a cane or we got a guide dog, we are trained to be able to go out in society and travel independently. So we know what we're doing, and so just let us finish our task. Absolutely. And along with that, just another helpful tip. If you're in that situation or you see somebody who's blind or visually impaired traveling, one thing you can do is just say hi. That's super helpful because it lets the client know where you're at, lets them know that somebody is around. So if you're standing on the sidewalk or you're in that Walmart aisle, just say hi or good morning, something like that. A client most likely or person will respond and then navigate around you. So don't be quiet and kind of hold your breath and stand off to the corner. Just interact. Say hi. That's super helpful. And it's just kind. Uh, So keep that in mind. Sometimes a kind word can help somebody. Yes, always be kind. And I think this is just such an important conversation to have because I love hearing your experiences, Timothy, because I think it's just great for anyone to know and for me to be reminded of these different things that um, happen and that I see happen at work every day. Absolutely. Well, we're so excited that we got to an opportunity to chat about all these different things and, you know, bust or break or whatever we decided on some of these myths or misconceptions. So thank you so much for listening to the Taking the Lead podcast. I'm your host, Leslie Hoskins, with hosts Timothy Cuneo and Christina Hepner. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into the myths and misconceptions about blindness. And we look forward to you joining us next week. Yes, and if you like today's podcast, make sure to hit subscribe and check us out wherever podcasts stream.